You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and any other gender you might think you are. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. We're going to talk about some gun stuff today, some weapon stuff, and of course, with the Democrats in office, the politics of guns are getting out of hand. So far, there's just been rumors, um, guesses, there's been uh, postings on presidential websites about what could potentially happen. But, you know, it's just we don't know yet. So don't get too excited, but I would certainly be wary. And, of course, the ammo shortage continues. Ammo just continually is going up. Shortages are going to probably continue throughout the rest of this year. And if everybody keeps trying to hoard and get as much as they can, it's going to continue through into the next year also. We're just not seeing any relief from this. Although we did just come off the the least expensive ammo and gun year we've had, probably 2018, 2019. The deals were out there. If you didn't get anything then, then you missed out. Because now... Ah, everything's expensive. Guns have gone up tremendously. Ammo is almost unobtainable. Hopefully they'll fill those pipelines again, but they're saying even if they fill the pipelines, it's going to be months before it stacks up enough to where the actual supply will be reasonable. So with all these other troubles that gun people are facing now, here's another problem. Apparently, we have record-setting gun sales, 8.4 million new gun owners. That's not sales. There was over 21 million, I guess, gun checks last year with over 8.4 million new never-before-owning-a-gun gun owners coming into the realm. This is part of what's driving the ammunition sales as well. But also along with this is people applying for carry permits because in order to be the most responsible person while carrying a gun, most states have some sort of permit process. There are some that don't require permits, some that will not issue permits, like California, New York, New Jersey. I mean, it's nearly impossible to get a permit there. But um, if there are, if there are, if you're in a state that does issue permits or has shall issue, by all means, if you're going to carry it, by all means, get a permit. So now, with the permits going on, there's apparently a scam that's popped up in a number of states, Massachusetts, Alabama, Utah, and they all follow a similar pattern. The Department of Public Safety is warning people that the new tech scam asks for personal information after referencing a concealed firearms permit, meaning if you apply for a firearms permit, these people will... I don't know, somehow get your information or just send it out to anybody they think might be doing this and try and get you to give them information and they're going to try and say it's linked to your application for a concealed carry permit. So be aware of this. They're not any any of the government agencies are probably not going to text you for personal information if you apply for a weapons permit. Most of that's all done in person in the courthouse or in the government office where they provide these permits. So be aware of this. Don't fall for this. Oh, yes, yes, you do. Absolutely. You have to be fingerprinted. But say you go in, you get your fingerprints, and then you get this text message saying, oh, we need this information from you. If you're not aware, you could actually accidentally send them information that they don't need, and then the scammers have your information. So, yeah. I mean, it's just be aware that most of the most of the government agencies are not just going to 
text you and ask for personal information over a text message. They're going to do it in person or through proper channels. They might use an email, but probably not as likely. So be careful. If you're applying for for a permit, make sure you know what kind of contact to expect, what kind of information you're going to have to give them. And I would try and do it in person and not try and do anything, you know, via a text message because that's probably not likely. So be aware. One more thing to worry about as a potential gun owner, someone trying to do the right thing by get the permit. Yeah, be aware. Someone's going to try and scam you out of your personal information. And that, of course, would lead to identity theft and God knows what else. But just something to watch out for. Another thing to watch out for. Democrats in Virginia. <laughs> the Democrats are coming. The Democrats are coming. <laughs> I know. But anyway, okay, they, they're proposing, they're introducing a ban on what they're calling ghost guns. Now, for those of you who don't know, ghost guns is a term that the Democrats have dreamed up to describe weapons that are homemade or handmade at, at home, which is perfectly legal and has been since the beginning of our country. You mean those aren't the ghosts of the guns that I lost in the boating accident? Right, no. Um, but no, the ghost guns are, are guns that you make yourself. They're homemade guns. And you are allowed to do this. It is perfectly legal to own guns that you manufacture yourself. You don't have to put a registration on them. You don't have to put numbers on them. If you use them for personal use, they are yours and yours alone. You can build your own guns. That's not a problem. So what they decided to do is they want to make these guns illegal. Even though federal law allows them, they, the state wants to go ahead and violate those federal laws and decide, oh, no, no, you can't have this. The same thing with high capacity, with standard capacity magazines. They want to make those illegal even though the federal law, there's no federal law prohibiting them. And all this is just infringing on our Second Amendment rights over and over and over again. It's, it's, it's nearly impossible to get anything, to get any government agency to understand shall not be infringed means you cannot make a law to infringe on the right to keep and bear arms. But they do it all the time anyway. So anyway, they have this, they want to put a ban on ghost guns, which means if you have an unfinished part, they want to take this unfinished part and make it illegal to own. So this is a part that's not even a gun yet. It's just a part that can be turned into a gun. Now, there, there are what they call 80% lowers. These lowers are usually available for Glocks, for AR-15s, and they're 80% finished. And it's your job to finish the other 20% and make it into a gun if you want to finish out your own, your own personalized homemade gun. So now they're deciding that even these 80% parts they want to make illegal. But now... These are just pieces of plastic or pieces of metal that are unfinished. So how can they determine which block of plastic is going to be a gun and which block of plastic is going to be a, you know, a, a kindergarten toy? They can't. So anything that may look like a gun, they want to try and make illegal, even though it has no, it has no gun properties whatsoever when it is purchased, other than it may be in the shape of one. And it's good. How are they going to do this? I have no idea. But they're going to ban the sale or possession of unfinished frames and any type of 3D printed firearms. Would that mean you would have to register every 3D printer as a potential weapons manufacturing plant? I mean, it, it's going to create all kinds of, I mean, if you have a block of plastic 
and you have the plans to build an AR-15 lower, you could potentially get in trouble just for owning a block of plastic. Because if they determined that that was a, a lower or a piece that you were going to turn into a lower, they could determine that you had a part of a ghost gun. But it's there's no way to prove it, of course. So it's going to basically going to create felonies out of thin air. People are going to be in trouble for having a piece of plastic if they're if they happen to be gun people. They could say, "Oh yeah, you were going to turn that into a receiver." Now, of course, it's unlawful now to transfer any of these. You can build them, have them for your own personal use. And keep them for yourself. And without being a manufacturer, you're not allowed to sell them. Now, from what I understand, some states allow you to register them, put a serial number on them, and then they can be sold. But they are, they're saying that 80% kits are going to qualify as being guns. They're going to, they're going to violate federal law, which says 80% is not a finished product, which is not a gun, is not a registrable part, is not it's not the part that's considered the gun. So are they going to back this down some? What about a 70% receiver? What about 60%? 50%? How much of it can be finished before they're going to say, oh, well, that that's not a gun anymore? Could they consider an unfinished spool of plastic for a 3D printer? Would that be considered a potential gun? How are they going to determine this? I mean... The ATF doesn't consider unfinished frames or receivers to be firearms at all. They're just chunks of plastic, chunks of metal. They're not guns. So Virginia wants to try and say anything that is partially finished is going to be considered a gun, and they're going to try and make it illegal to own these. Now, this, of course, has not gone into law yet, but it looks like being in Virginia with Democrats in charge, it won't be long until this goes through. And, of course, the Biden administration is going to get fully behind this, and they may even try and do something on the federal level to try and limit unfinished frames and unfinished receivers. It's just just the fact that they're going to be able to determine that 80% is not enough. It's got to be less than that, but they don't know know how much. So basically, any piece of plastic, if you have any interest in weapons or you own a gun and you have a piece of plastic, you could essentially get in trouble for owning it because they could say, oh, you were going to turn that into a ghost gun. So it's just it's crazy that this actually they're actually considering this. And this is going to open up prosecution to anybody with any type of. I guess, gun manufacturing capabilities in their house. If you have a 3D printer, you could get in trouble for having plastic in your house that you could potentially turn into a frame or a some sort of weapon. And the fact that the federal law does not recognize any of these plastic receivers or 80% as being guns, and the state is trying to change change the, I guess, the description of what they're considering a gun. So... This is going to get this is going to get insane if they proceed with this. It's just they're going all they're violating the constitution left and right. They're they're going against federal law all over the place and they're going to try and make this based on the material you use to manufacture them. So, if you live in Virginia and you're thinking about building something, be very careful because if this ban goes through, they're going to it'll be illegal just to own one of these things and i wonder if this is going to be retroactive if you already own one are they going to make it illegal to still have it i don't know if that's going to be a legal issue or not i mean it's been done before they make high, the magazine standard capacity magazines are illegal in some states after they were legal and you're not allowed to possess them so they may try and come back after everybody who's ever purchased 
and 80% lower. Now, this was a story a couple weeks ago. There was a company called Polymer 80, and they were manufacturing Glock lowers 80% finished. But they were selling it with all the other parts, every other part you would need to finish it and turn it into a, a weapon, into a pistol. And the ATF apparently decided that was too much. Even though the frame was the same frame you could get, but if you bought it with all the accessories to turn it into a gun, they said that was too close to being a weapon. And they apparently were visiting people who purchased these kits. And I don't know how far they went with that or if they actually started prosecuting anybody or maybe they just tried to collect them. I don't know what they did with that, but that's going to be a problem too. I mean, to say how – I mean, you, you, you can get the parts to finish it, but maybe you just can't get them all from one place. I don't understand. It's just, you know, of course, understanding the Democrats' idea of gun laws or the liberals' idea of gun laws is kind of ridiculous anyway. Makes no sense, and they don't care. The Constitution doesn't mean anything to them. Shall not be infringed, they don't care. It's all about the safety, the children. We have to take care of the children, even though our children are going to have their rights taken away. Because everyone knows the only reason the First Amendment even exists is because the Second Amendment is there to back it up. Without the Second Amendment, the First Amendment would not be there. All right, we're going to be right back after a few messages from sponsors. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, and I hope you'll make plans to join us on January 28th for Warriors for Hope. I'm thrilled to be a part of this virtual fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen. These organizations do so much to support veterans, first responders, and families who have been touched by pediatric cancer. I'd also like to thank David Moxley and his show, David's Pick, here on America's Web Radio for supporting Warriors for Hope. And I know you'll want to join in and support this event as well on January 28th. So visit warriorsforhope.events. That's warriors and the number four, hope.events. You can make a gift and reserve your seat for this virtual benefit. Again, that's warriors and the number four, hope.events. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you at noon on January 28th. And they do have fantastic items that you can bid on. And that's this Friday, the 28th. Be sure you go to warriors, the number four, hope.events. You'll love it. You'll have fun watching it and bidding. And you'll have Lee Greenwood there. Rocky Blyer will be there. They will be auctioning off guitars, jerseys, all sorts of things that have been donated for this, for two very, very good, worthy causes. So be sure and mark that on your calendar day after tomorrow. And we'll be back with Mr. B right after this. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Okay, before we just go down the rabbit hole and get caught up in all the bad political stuff, we're going to do something fun. We're going to do something good. This year, because the SHOT Show was gone virtual and actually canceled, there a lot of this stuff has been being done online, but there have still been... They're still um, looking at new weapons, new guns, new stuff, and the new tactical gun of 2020, the the gun, the tactical gun of the year for 2020, has been voted on by this American Rifleman. This is the um, magazine that the NRA puts out, and they have voted to make the Remington Tac 13 the tactical gun of the year. Now, if you're not familiar with the Tac 13, this has been a class of firearms that has become popular as of late. It's a shotgun action with a barrel usually shorter than 18 inches, but instead of having a stock, it's got what they call a bird's head grip on it. It's just kind of, it's not quite a pistol grip, but not quite a stock. But because it is more than 26 inches long, it's classified as a non-NFA firearm, which means you can own it just by, by filling out the standard forms that you would for any shotgun or any rifle. It started with Mossberg's 590, the pump action shotgun. They made the bird's head pistol, uh, a bird's head grip for it. And it was a pump action shotgun with a barrel, I think around somewhere between 13 or 14 inches. And it was a brilliant idea because this basically is, would be the similar to a sawed off style shotgun. Of course, you can't have a stock on it, but the grip gives you pretty good control. So what happened is Remington came out with an 870 also, the pump-action version of their non-NFA firearm. And then they went a step further, and they brought out Attack 13, which was a semi-automatic action from the V3, their uh, V3 action. So it uses the Versamax gas system, which keeps the, the recoil manageable, and it makes it rather compact. And with manageable recall on a 12-gauge semi-automatic shotgun that's only 26.5 inches long, it's a very potent package. And, of course, they made it look nice, too. It's a very, very good-looking weapon. And because it is does not have a stock on it, it is a non-NFA weapon, meaning you do not have to get a tax stamp or a special permit to own it. And uh, it's going to be it's it's a it's a it's a great gun because it would be great for self defense if you're into shotguns for that, and it makes for a very compact package. It would be a nice truck weapon as well if you had to store it somewhere. But the the thing about the uh, Versamax system is that it, uh, it it'll feed a variety of twelve gauge shells without having to make adjustments. It'll run them all high brass, low brass. Fires and ejects all of them equally well without having to make adjustments between them all. So it's and it's a two and three quarter inch shells on most of these. I don't know if it takes a three inch, but uh, the price tag, of course, on the Tac 13 is a little higher. It's probably double the price of the pump action ones. But the gun has, you know, the V3 action is an expensive action, but it has a quality and reliability that has has a reputation that's been built. So if you're interested in going for the ultimate. Ultimate uh, non-NFA shotgun firearm, whatever they call it. They don't even call it a shotgun. It's a firearm, non-NFA firearm. So be aware that that's out there, and it was consideration for the bullseye, the Golden Bullseye Award. 
was voted to be the number one tactical weapon for 2020. The gun of the year. Tactical weapon of the year. Okay, so if you get a chance, take a look at one. Take one home if you can find one. Why not? Okay, now a lot of people wonder, why do these companies that are in gun-unfriendly states, why do they stay? They're usually... They're usually persecuted. They're usually looked down upon. They're usually fr- their business is frowned upon by some of these states or some of these cities. One company decided, you know what? We're not going to stand for it. We're going to move. There's a company, <clears throat> Aero Precision. They manufacture a lot of AR-15, AR-10, AR-style receivers, parts, things like that. And they make very, very good products. They're very high quality. Probably a step above a standard mil-spec receiver. But back in 2019, they were in Tacoma, Washington. And now Tacoma is apparently a very liberal city. And Tacoma decided they were going to pass a new tax on the sale of firearms and ammunition inside the city limits. So what they did is they were going to add a $25 tax to all firearms and between 2 and $0.05 cents per round on all ammunition. And they were gonna, they were touting this as a windfall for the public. They're gonna make up to thirty thousand dollars in extra tax money to provide public benefit to the residents related to gun violence. You know, they never try and prosecute criminals. They always go after the law-abiding citizens instead. And to me, if you tax weapons and not something else, that would be an infringement upon possible rights. But anyway, so Aero's Precision decided. You know what? We're going to take our company and our 800 employees and our plans to expand and grow, and we're going to move to Lakewood, Washington. We're getting out of Tacoma because they're not going to. They decided they're not going to pay any taxes anymore to the city of Tacoma. They're going to take their business elsewhere. Now, this is the kind of thing that needs to happen more often. Gun manufacturers, gun stores, if they're in an unfriendly area, it might be time to consider moving. Now, I know sometimes. If you're the only store in a certain area, yeah, you want to take advantage of that for sure. But if you're a manufacturer, you might as well take your gu- take your business somewhere else. Take it where it'll be appreciated. Now, to me, the whole state of Washington may not be as bad as I think it is, but at least they got out of the city that was going to tax guns at $25 a piece and ammunition at 2 to $0.05 cents a piece. That is just, to me, that's a discriminatory tax. Could you imagine if they put a tax on internet blogs or on uh, radio shows or on TV shows just for providing free speech platforms? Could you imagine what would be done then? But yet the Second Amendment, they have no respect for the Second Amendment being an uninfringible right. Shall not be infringed. I can't say that enough. It just irks me that these people think it doesn't apply to them. They can make up whatever taxes they want on guns and pass it and make everybody pay extra for a right that they're guaranteed in the Constitution. But anyway, so Air Precision's moving. They're taking their money. They're taking their um, their businesses, their taxes. They're taking all of this stuff with them. So hopefully more and more companies will do this. I'd like to see this happen across the country. Any, any gun manufacturers that are capable of moving or getting out of anti-gun states or anti-gun cities or counties, by all means, do your best to do it. Because I hate the fact that they would provide taxes 
to politicians that would want to shut them down or would want to limit what they could do. It's just like in, in all these cities where they have permits, fees to get a weapon. In New York, $300 fee just to apply for the right to purchase a handgun. That is not a carry permit, mind you. That's just purchase a handgun, a $300 fee. Now, could you imagine if they had fees for other things? Like, say we had a voting fee. Say we had to charge a poll tax. Everyone who came to vote had to pay $5. Could you imagine the uproar? Even though the right to vote is not guaranteed in the Constitution, it's not even stated in there. It says, if there is a vote, you cannot discriminate against who votes, but it does not say you have the right to vote. But you do have the right to keep and bear arms. It is guaranteed in the Constitution, but yet these states are walking all over it. And that brings me to another point. What if, what if there was a contract with the people, which there is? Our contract with our politicians is considered the Constitution. That's our contract with our government. That's the rules they are supposed to follow when they govern. The question is, do they? And if they don't, what are we entitled to do to fix it? As we've seen this past year, it's been, let's say, tumultuous at at best with uh, protests and riots and burnings and the latest uh, incident at the Capitol. It seems as if there's getting to be more and more division, more and more um, discord among the the parties that are out there and they each have their own agendas and they're each pushing hard to push their agendas over everybody else's in fact the the social media platforms are limiting anybody who does not agree with them or does not echo their sentiment and they have a protection which i believe if they ever get a chance needs to be revoked because if they have this uh 320 protection i believe it's called they're not responsible for people who post on their sites But yet, they will take responsibility when they want to and shut people down over the potential for community standards, which they set themselves. So they're setting the standards by which they're allowing free speech or not allowing free speech. A lot of these, most of the gun sites that are on social media have been persecuted, have been um, discriminated against because they have guns. On YouTube, a lot of places have been demonetized, meaning they're not allowed to run ads on their videos to make money. So they're making it harder and harder for people who are Second Amendment supporters to make money on these platforms, which to me is complete discrimination. The fact that they can even do this and get away with it is ridiculous. And something needs to be done about this. These people either need to be respectful and be equal across the board or they need to be shut down or prosecuted or fined for the the discrimination. All right, we're going to come right back after this and we're going to talk about the threat of a revolution. Uh Uh-oh. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com.
Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register and donate to support our cause. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left, I mentioned something about the threat of revolution. Now, let me say, first of all, I am pretty sure we still have a way to hold on to our republic and use a revolution at the voting polls rather than anything beyond that. At least I sincerely hope so. Although with this last elections, with the fraud that seemed to be very prevalent, you wonder if we're really going to have fair elections from here on out. And I know there's other people who say, well, if we get the turnout, then we can eliminate the fraud. We should not have to worry about eliminating the fraud or overcoming the fraud. The fraud should not be there. People who are convicted of fraud should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. So it makes it a lot more difficult for them to want to do it. There should be huge fines for anybody caught violating election laws. But unfortunately, most of this goes unpunished. So now it comes down to what do you do? You have a contract with your government. The Constitution is our contract. If the politicians are violating that contract, what recourse do we have? We can try and vote. That's going to be what we're going to do. But what if that's not enough? What if the voting is not going to be accurate? What if the voting will not be enough to overcome the fraud? That means they will be able to pretty much run any candidate anywhere they want, and voting will not matter anymore. Now, I hope it doesn't come to this. I really don't. Um, I was reading a lot about the fraud and everything, and I just wonder if if it's going to be enough to turn things around or not. Will there be room to fix it? I just don't know. But, you know, the Capitol was, I guess, invaded back on January 6th, you know. Oh, no, it was on the 20th, wasn't it? Yes, or whenever. It was back in January. The, the Capitol was invaded. There were people walking around in there. Somebody was shot and killed. This was probably one of the most extreme versions of protests we've seen. But yet, even though, because of where it was, they give it a lot more, I guess, impact than if it happened in the, in the city streets. It's funny because... All these career politicians grinned and laughed and cheered them on as all these revolutionaries took to the streets, burned businesses down, overturned police cars. No big deal. Oh, yeah, they should be doing this. Oh, they should be protesting everywhere. They need to bother Trump's cabinet members. They need to get get in his face. They need to yell at him. They need to protest him. But yet, as soon as it happens in the Capitol, that all of a sudden, oh, my God. These people get on their high horses and say, oh, this is unacceptable. This can't happen. Oh, my God, this is terrible. But yet they can protest in the streets and burn things to the ground, and that's okay. And they encouraged it all summer long. 
So you kind of wonder, where do you draw the line? Do these politicians even care anymore? Do they know? I'm not sure. But anyway, if they come after the guns, that's going to be probably one of the first things they do. Every dictator throughout history comes after the guns first. They want to disarm the public. And it kind of makes you wonder, what are they planning on doing that's going to make you want to have a gun? What are they going to do to make you think, oh, boy, now we need a gun? If the government tells you you don't need a gun, they're right. You need two or three or more. So be aware that it it may get much more difficult to purchase weapons if they start passing all these restrictive laws on the Second Amendment. And it's it's unfortunate that they're violating the contract that they have with people in America. The contract is clear. It's clearly stated. It's spelled out. There's no ambiguity at all. But yet they violate this over and over again. Taking a break? Okay, we'll be back in a few moments. Hi, I'm Lee Greenwood, and I am so proud that the Warriors for Hope group has asked me to host their first annual fundraising event to benefit St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Warriors to Citizen on January 28th. I'm looking forward to some very impressive people talking to us about social responsibility and the need to help worthy people with long-term physical or psychological issues. It's going to be a great show with a great cast, I promise. And hey, I might even sing. Go to Warriors for Hope website to register. If you live to serve and, and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. So before we left, we were talking about the threat of revolution. And like I said, I'm not a proponent of this. I'm hoping we can still use voting. We can still use standard political means to fix our problems. The problem is the people who are in charge, who are in charge of the government are violating the contract they have with people. They have a constitutional obligation. They all swear on a Bible to defend the Constitution and its laws and what it stands for. But yet they turn around and they violate this over and over and over again with no consequences. And unfortunately, it's not just the politicians. It's the people who put them there. There are people who vote the same people into office over and over and over again, even though they violate the contract with the American people. And I just don't know. I I wonder, because if you look at history, a republic of law or a constitutional republic has a lifespan of approximately 200 years. We have exceeded this by a substantial amount. I think we're at 40-something years past the 200-year mark. And I wonder if we've gotten to the point where we're going to have to have some sort of radical revamping of our political systems or of our government system in order to come back around to our basic protections, our basic freedoms, our basic rights. Because if they're being violated on a daily basis, the contract with America no longer exists. 
and I really wanted to. All we have to do is follow the Constitution. It was written by brilliant men who covered almost every possible, I guess, scenario in order to keep people free and keep things fair. However, if you don't follow the instructions, you end up with something that's not put together right, which is what's happening now. There's an old expression. If at first you don't succeed, get the instructions out of the trash. Well, we need to get the instructions. We need to reread them. We need to relearn them. And the worst thing is the the younger generation is they don't know. They don't understand. They're not being taught the Constitution. They're not being shown what the laws mean or how they're supposed to be protected or that the first ten amendments are the Bill of Rights that say what the government cannot do. They are not allowed to do, but they violate these anyway. So now we're going to come into what do you need to do to protect yourself? You know, especially with the anti-police movement that is making huge strides now, especially in Georgia, we got a a senator now who was preaching on the pulpit that cops were all thugs and criminals and they need to stop doing what they're doing. So we'll see. What if they start defunding police? You have to be your own first responder. This is probably one of the most important jobs you will ever have. So how would you start? Okay, say you are a gun owner. You probably have several, hopefully you have several different types of weapons. You you practice with them. You know what you're doing. You can always get more practice, of course, if you can find the ammo. Right now, that's the biggest issue. But learn from people who have more experience than you if you possibly can. If you're new to this game, it's going to be difficult because you're kind of getting in late. But there's no reason why you can't do it anyway. And a lot of people come to me and ask, well, what kind of gun should I get? And it's like, you know, I can't tell you because I don't know what your particular defense situation is going to be. Do you have kids in your house? Do you live alone? Do you live with a single, with a spouse? Do they have any training? Are they interested in getting any training? Are the kids interested in any kind of firearms training? These are all things that have to be answered by you in order to narrow down your choices. And most people will say, okay, a handgun is probably the number one choice for self-defense, without a doubt. And there's thousands of choices, all kind of different sizes, calibers, and they're, most of them are all pretty good pretty good weapons there's very few that are considered bad so most of them you can make a good choice get somebody to help you if possible if you know somebody who's into weapons they're probably more than likely to want to help you they'll be more than willing to give you a hand and then there's another train of thought some people say oh get a shotgun because it doesn't require as much training and I'll tend to argue with that because a shotgun has a tremendous amount of recoil compared to a handgun. Also, a shotgun tends to throw a more scattered blast. It's not as precise as a handgun, and you tend to do a lot more damage if you hit somebody or if you miss. If you miss, you're going to do much more damage with a shotgun, and you have to be much more careful with what you're shooting at. And it does require training. I mean, it's it can be a point-and-shoot kind of thing, but without ever having shot one, if you've never shot one before and you buy one and stick it under the bed, you're going to probably scare yourself to death the first time you fire a shot. So if, if you're a first-time gun owner, by all means, shoot whatever you have. Shoot it a lot. Shoot it enough to where you're comfortable with it. And if you're not, then be very careful using it because if you're not comfortable with it, you're not going to be able to make good decisions. And that comes down, there's a story now I, I just found. <clears throat> 
This is about a man who caught a couple burglarizing his house, and he shot them, and now he's being charged in the deadly shooting. Now, you may wonder, okay, this guy's house is being invaded, so why on earth would he be in trouble for shooting them? Most places have a castle doctor. If they're in your house illegally, they can be a target. But again, depending on your reason for shooting somebody, I mean, someone's there, they're threatening your life. Obviously, you have a right to defend yourself. You are your own first responder, and you always should be. So apparently, they say, came into the house, uh, two people, a man and a woman, and... The gentleman was upstairs. He heard people milling about in the bottom of his house, so he took his handgun. He went downstairs. He saw the two people in his house, and he fired shots at them. He had a twenty-two caliber handgun. He pointed it the direction where he heard the people talking, and he started shooting. They were standing. He said they were about 10 feet away holding flashlights, and he fired a shot at each person. Then the pair ran toward the stairs leading down to the first floor and got to the bottom of the stairs. And then the guy fired four more rounds at the man because he didn't want him to get away. Okay, that's not a reason to shoot somebody because you don't want them to get away. That is not legal. If they're not threatening your life, if they're running away from you, you cannot shoot somebody running away from you. You know, <laughs> that's just not, it's not self-defense at that point. At that point, you're, you're hunting somebody down. So if you ever get in a situation where you have to use your weapon in self-defense, the best advice, and now I'm not a lawyer, but I can tell you the best advice is to don't say a word until you speak to an attorney. I mean, I know even if you're in the right, even if you've done everything according to the rules, don't take a chance. Don't take a chance on saying the wrong thing or saying something they will use against you later. Like I say, the best thing, the, the advice I always hear is shut up and lawyer up. <laughs> because you never know how the police in that area feel. You don't know how the, the, county, the county police are going to feel about self-defense cases. Most of them understand that you're put in a situation that you would rather never be in, but some of them are going to say anybody who has a gun and uses it for self-defense is just trying to hurt somebody. It's just trying to kill somebody. They're, they're, they're violent. Well, that's not true. Most people just want to keep their families protected. They want to protect their families. They want to protect their property. They want to protect their, their lifestyle. I mean, because... Think about it this way. Everything you have in your house is something you work for. That's hours of your life you put into it. Now, granted, you're not allowed to shoot somebody for stealing something from you unless they're in your house and you feel threatened. Your life has to be threatened. Now, a lot of places have castle doctrine where if they're in there, they're a target if they violated your your castle, your home. They violated your home, they're a target. But you don't shoot somebody and say, I didn't want them to get away. That is no reason to do that. So now, apparently, this man is being prosecuted for shooting the people who broke into his house. And it sounds like if he had just shut up and not said anything, or just, you know, at least be remorseful, say, I didn't want to have to do this, I never wanted to have to shoot anybody, but I was in fear for my life. But the best thing, shut up, lawyer up. That's the best advice I can give anybody if they're caught in this kind of thing. All right, we're going to be back in a couple minutes. Oh, well, we're going to take a break in a couple minutes. Um, but real quick, just remember, if you're in a situation where you have to use your weapon for self-defense, 
Try your best to think clearly. Think. Would a jury look at this and go, oh, he was just out to shoot somebody. He was just wanted to hurt somebody. Or will they think, oh, man, this guy was threatened. His life was in danger. He felt scared. He was protecting his family. He was protecting his property. Was it justified? And it's always better to be on the air on the side of caution, especially since uh, from from what I'm reading in this story, the person, the people who broke into his house were not armed. They did not have a weapon. But just the fact that they were there burglarizing him or actually robbing him because he was home. Although they didn't have a weapon, they were still stealing from him. So I don't know what the I guess that would be a burglary. I'm not sure how that works. But anyway, so the the one gentleman was dead at the scene. The other woman who was there with him was shot, and she's in critical condition now. But he's he uh, he made a mistake by talking. You know, it's unfortunate, but that's what happens. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't say anything if you can help it. And I know in a situation like that. Your adrenaline is going to be flowing. You're going to, your mind is going to be racing. You're going to be in a situation that's going to be very hard to control. And the best thing to do is try and remain as calm as possible and focus on just not saying a word. Do you remember the case in Texas where a neighbor saw, I don't know, I don't want to say kids, but saw his neighbor's house being robbed? And they were, you know, bringing stuff out, and he knew it wasn't his neighbor. Right. And uh, he pulled his shotgun, and I think he shot one of them. But uh, I don't, I can't remember how the trial turned out. Do you remember that case? No, I'm not familiar with that. It's- I believe it was in Houston, and uh, the neighbor knew that his neighbor across the street was out of town. Ah, okay. So, you know, he saw somebody burglarizing his neighbor's house, and uh, Hmm. he went over with a shotgun and uh, leveled one of them. Yeah, yeah. Now that I wonder if he, you know, did he threaten them first? Did he just start shooting? I mean, that's something I don't know what this uh, the particulars are. This this was probably uh, maybe six or seven years ago. Yeah, and things were a little different then too, because you know things things were a little more in favor of citizens at that point. Yeah. Now it seems like things are in favor of the criminals more. Yeah, but uh, yeah, a situation like that. I mean, it's tough when you have to work with somebody else's property because if they're not threatening your life, you're not supposed to shoot people. You can threaten them, make them go away, call the police, do whatever you need to th- do to I stop think them. The guy had called the police and they didn't come and they didn't come and oh uh, wow. I, I I can't remember all the details, but I do remember that it was a neighbor stopping another neighbor's house from, from being, being robbed. robbed. Well, that's I mean that's that's great to have neighbors like that, and I would suggest all neighbors talk to each other and have a plan. Let people know when you're out of town. Let them know when you might need extra eyes on your property. You know, especially especially nowadays with you know with the police being hesitant to go on calls a lot of places. Because they don't want to get mixed up in anything where they could end up in a situation where they have to shoot somebody who may or may not be, you know, someone who's of danger. Like in Atlanta, they had the guy that stole the taser, fired at the cop, got shot and killed, and they were prosecuting the cops for that. Even though he turned and fired a weapon, a taser weapon, at the police officers, and then when they returned fire and killed him, they were trying to blame the police for that. And the people in the neighborhood were blaming the police for killing this guy. Now, keep in mind, 
This guy was so drunk, he fell asleep in the drive through line. He was ready to get food and start driving home. Now, if he had driven home and killed a family along the way because he was so drunk he couldn't couldn't see straight and crashed his car into innocent people, would that have been better? I would say if he was violating the law, he's the one who needed to needed to pay the price, not innocent people. But Amen. it's just it's just it's 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 always. I would imagine it would be one of the toughest situations to ever be in to have to pull your weapon and threaten somebody or shoot somebody, either way. And it's something that you can never really prepare for. I mean, you can train and train and train and get yourself in the, try and get the best mindset you possibly can. Try and make everything you do instinctive. Try and think about things ahead of time because when you're in that situation, you're going to end up being you're going to have a lot of adrenaline your 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 focus is going to narrow tremendously your view is going to narrow your your fine motor skills are going to deteriorate to some point and you want to be trained to where it's second nature where it's instinctive what you have to do but always err on the side of caution if somebody's trying to get away or trying to leave let them go you know unless they've got a hostage with them, <laughs> then you need to let them go you know, if they're taking your silverware, then you know what? That's that needs to be let go. But if there's any if they're if they're threatening any body or any person in your household, then that's a whole different story. Then of course you want to do whatever you can to protect your family and your and your people from, from harm. That's where you're your own first responder. And it's 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 gotta be just a ridiculously hard situation to be put in. But as a training exercise, you may consider going through that in your head. See, where if somebody was in your house, where would they have come in from? Where would they be? Where are other people in your house when you get up to go investigate? Do you have kids in the house? Do you know where they sleep? Are you sure they would stay asleep through all this? When you fire around, if it misses and goes through a wall, what's on the other side of that wall? Where is the rest of your family? Are they going to be protected? Are you going to be careful enough not to cause any damage to anybody who is a member of your family? This is the kind of thing, and you don't know where these people are coming from, and every scenario is going to be different, but you got to consider going through that as a mental exercise. Go through in your head, okay, someone's going to come in, they're going to come in through this door, who do I need to watch out for? Where are people sleeping in this house? Is it just me? Is it me and a spouse? If the spouse is there, does she stay with you? Does she stay behind in the room? Do you give her a weapon to defend herself? Or him a weapon to defend himself? I don't want to be, I don't want to be a misogynist, you know, cause some, I know a lot of women who are very fine shooters. And it's, it's just, it's a plan. It's like, you know, when you have a fire, they say bake a fire plan. In case there's a fire, how do you get out? There are ways to do that. The same thing for potential burglary or robbery. Have a plan. Work on it. And you're not going to be able to come up with every possible scenario, but think of as many as you can. Go through them in your head, and if you have to, get up one night, walk the house with your with your weapon. You know, unload, clear, with your flashlight or whatever, walk around. See where your angles are. See what corners you have to breach to be able to get a good view. Also, see where your visibility is. See where, you're, where, where you can get to your light switches if you want to turn lights on, or do you want to just use a, a flashlight? It's just, you know, it's the kind of thing. And most people don't think to do that. They just throw the gun in the dresser drawer, and it sits there. And if they need it, they're going to flip their little their light on. They're going to grab the gun, and they're going to go wandering around. 
Who knows what you're going to run into? If somebody is armed in your house, you have to be extremely careful. You may be putting yourself in more danger by walking out there. So an alarm system. Yes, that would help. But still, when it goes off, what do you do? You have to have a plan. I wait for the cops. Oh yeah, there's that. You know, or if they're, if they're being paid. Yeah, <laughs> if they're willing to come. Yes. But you know, if you're sitting there in your house and there's people in there that are coming towards where you are. You may have to defend yourself at that point. And that's the thing where you have to consider that. I mean, consider that as a mental exercise. Go through it in your head ahead of time. Figure out where you want to be, where your gun is, how you're going to, if you have to leave the room for any reason, find out how you're going to go. Are you going to, how are you going to look around corners? Which corners are going to be the most dangerous for you to go around? Do you have a dog in the house? Is, is he or she going to make a ruckus? Is it going to cause a problem? You know, is it going to be distracting? Hopefully, it'll be distracting to who's ever breaking in, and they'll be scared away. That would be the ideal situation. You know, and everyone always says, rack the pump pump shotgun a a time or two, and most burglars do not want to face that because they don't want to run across somebody in a hallway with a a shotgun aimed at them. (laughs) I mean, unless they're there for professional reasons and they're armed to the teeth and they're after something very specific, most burglars do not want to run into anybody with a gun. That's the last thing they want to do. But sometimes it's just a matter of making the right noise or making yourself, making your presence known. Like, oh, here I come. You know, I, you got your flashlight, you're going around the corners or you're flipping lights on. But be aware, you don't want to expose yourself to potential danger also. You have to be careful. You have to breach corners carefully. You have to pie the room. There are many training exercises you can do. And when you do them, then you need to go back and apply them to your own domicile, your own house. you got to see where your weaknesses are, where your entry points are, where people are going to come from. How are you going to get an advantage when if you do catch somebody in your house? What would be the route you would have to take to get the biggest advantage to be able to provide yourself with cover or concealment and still be able to possibly stop them in their tracks if you had to? So just something to consider, you know, and I know a lot of people just think, oh, if someone grants in, I'm going to grab this gun and I'm going to go. And it's like, that's a great idea, but where are you going to go? Where are they coming from? You have to consider all the possibilities. And there's also, you know, people who have done this before. They've uh, they've worked in law enforcement. They've worked in the, with the military. They've cleared houses. They've cleared buildings. They know the basics. And if you have not done this, by all means, even watch videos. See how it's done. Learn how to how to go around a corner properly. Learn how to use a flashlight. Because you got to realize, when you go around and your flashlight on your weapon is on, it's like a beacon. If anyone is there with a weapon, if they're there to, to come after you, you have your flashlight on, they're going to shoot at the light. That's the first thing they're going to do. So ideally, you want to have a light that you can turn on and off. When you need to see something, you turn it on, you scan, then you turn it back off again. That would be the ideal situation. Now, I'm assuming this all happens at night. During the day, of course, the whole scenario is completely different. You come home and there's people in your house, you know, call the police. You can wait outside. I would not go in and try and face them. That would just be asking for trouble. I mean, unless you get surprised, you walk in your house, there's people there. Then, of course, everything changes and the situation becomes very dynamic. <laughs> and that was that would be a situation I would not want to have to be in. But always be careful and don't say anything. If you do have to end up using your weapon, 
don't say anything if you can possibly help it or say as little as possible. Be remorseful about what happened. Oh, my God, I never wanted to have to use my weapon against anybody. I can't believe this happened. And just say, you know, and ask for a lawyer. That's you're going to have to do that. Because apparently you say the wrong thing, you can get in trouble even shooting somebody in your very own house. Even if they shot at you first, you could still get in trouble if you say the wrong thing. It's unfortunate, but that's how our society is now. The the um, The victim isn't always considered the victim. So if you're a victim of a burglary, they may consider the burglar to be the victim instead. Oh, he was poor. Oh, he needed to steal this. He he didn't have any other way to support himself. Well, stealing from you is not a way to support yourself. In fact, people will say, so you value your stuff more than you value someone's life when they break into your house? And you go, no. They value my stuff more than they value their own life when they break into my house. So don't let that happen. Be careful. Think things through and for planning is always preferred to being surprised. So tonight, if you get a chance, if you're sitting there and you have some time, grab your weapon, walk around your house, look around corners, see how you would breach things, see where you have the best access to things, see if you have more than one way to get to someplace. If you have a one-way path, then that's the one you're going to have to use, and you'll have to learn how that works and how you can get the best cover and concealment along the way. And besides, it's kind of fun to go ahead and do this because it it makes you think. It makes you think. It gets your mind sharp. It's training that you can't get anywhere else. You have to train to be in your own home. So, okay, just something to consider. Go ahead and try that tonight. Let's get on to one more quick story here. I don't know how many of you are familiar with a place called Sportsman's Warehouse, but just recently, this past month, they were purchased by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Now, Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's merged, I think, a couple of years ago. or So now they purchased Sportsman's Warehouse. So now, I mean, Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops have 169 retail stores uh, at the last count. And then Sportsman Warehouse had 112 stores. So with that, they've got 281 retail locations. So now I wonder... If this, is this going to be good for things? Will they have more buying power? Will they be able to get lower prices? Or will prices be higher? We don't know. We're going to have to just wait and see how this goes. But again, bought out, big con- conglomeration. Go shopping, buy a gun, have fun. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.